Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Hancock, the chairman of the Circle of Excellence group of companies. And today we're going to be talking about neuroscience. In fact, we're going to be talking about your brain, neuroscience, and how to override some of the patterns that we're running in our life that keep us stuck. So let's jump into this. And uh, actually, before we do, what I think I want to do is I want to read a part. Um, actually, I'm going to, I decide I'm going to read this rather than try and remember it. Because uh, this is actually uh, a part that's uh, in one of my books. But I want to read this to you because it's fascinating. It's a good place to start. So it says, uh, Dr. Andrew Newberg of Pennsylvania University has studied the neurology of the brain and its link to spirituality for many years. He studied the brains of Tibetan monks during a chant, nuns during a prayer, evangelists during a speech, to all understand the links between us and spirit. In his book, how God changes your brain, he says this. During spiritual experience, there's a lot going on in the brain and some of it takes place in the parietal lobes, the part of our brain that's responsible for creating our sense of self. This is the part of the brain that manages the distinction between self and the other, meaning not self. Certain meditative practices appear to block information into this area, which turns off our ability to make the distinction between self and other. Once we can no longer draw the line and say this is where our self ends and this is where the rest of the world begins, the brain concludes and it has to conclude that at this moment you are at one with everything. Now, here's the fascinating thing. Newberg studied the brain using a process called singular photon emission computed tomography. And the results have been the Tibetan monks use more visual means in their meditations while common religion is based more on chant-based prayer. Newberg would agree with our tips on increasing awareness and accessing quantum states, but would add one other, and that is to focus on the meanings behind words in meditation, not just on the words themselves. And if you go deeply into that article itself, it's, uh, it essentially says that the Tibetan monks, through the process of their meditation, become more at one with the universe than we do through our chant prayers or different techniques that we're using, evangelistic processes that, you know, us speakers, et cetera, are using. So when you, um, when you start to embody meditation as a concept, the more that you can look at the meaning behind the words and focus more visually than just on trying to remember what you're doing, the more you'll access the connected state. Philippe says there can be quite impressive visualization in Tibetan meditations. Absolutely. And strangely enough, in Aboriginal meditations. In Western Australia, there is a, uh, there's a place owned by a friend of ours who's um, at Canning Vale. And on there, he has basically a teepee, which is obviously not Aboriginal. It's made out of metal, but in there, it's a sound teepee. And you go in there and you do a two-hour sound meditation where um, an Aboriginal guy with a didgeridoo comes in and just does didgeridoo for two hours. You lie down, you have you know something over your eyes. And I can honestly tell you, it's some of the most fascinating i mean you don't need drugs put it that way if you want a fascinating trips into the other world then 
this would be a good thing to do if you ever get over to uh, get over to Western Australia. Let's jump into what I've got to share with you today. So that was a good aside. So I think what we'll do to start off this is we'll have a look at, um, you know, the different parts of the brain and just check in with all of us and make sure that we actually understand this a little bit. So if you go over here to the, the two parts here, the frontal lobe and the left hemisphere, there's no rocket science in this. You know, our, our frontal lobe, which is really our right brain, that's where our cognitive skills come from. Um, and that's where our critical thinking and all of that, our creativity and stuff like that lie. Whereas the left hemisphere is where the structural skills, our left brain, mass and, you know, spelling and all of that sort of thing, engineering, I guess, sits there. But if you go to the paradial lobe, which is what I was just talking about there in meditation, as you can see it there, that's about coherency. So somebody who's had an injury there is going to be less coherent. They're not going to make as much sense, for instance. So often if somebody has a tumor, it depends on which part of the brain the tumor is. And you can definitely see, and we've seen this in um, a friend of ours who's had a brain tumor, there's definitely differences, massive differences in their personality. You know, it took us years to work out why are they acting like this? But then we realized, oh, it's actually the tumor that's been cut out and there's been some damage done um, basically in this part of their brain. So in the occipital lobe, you have the visuals at the back, so very connected to the eyes, that part. Then the cerebellum, which is down the bottom there near the spinal cord, is all about automation, your ability to, you know, walk a, walk a straight line when the police pull you over for drink driving, all of that sort of thing is going to sit down there in the cerebellum. Then the brain stem is all about your homeostasis, um, monitoring your, your blood pressure and um, the way in which, uh, you know, your general body temperature and everything works there. And your temporal lobe, which is a fantastic part of your brain, is like your own personal Siri. Okay, so this is the part where you access answers to questions that you may have gone, where you go, oh, I need to think about this. Um, yeah, it was 1972, I was one year old, et cetera, et cetera. This is where you're accessing that through your temporal lobe. So of course the brain is a fascinating place, but neuroscience itself is not necessarily understanding the parts of the brain as per se. It's understanding its effect on us, the way we act and the way I've decided to spin up spin it for this particular call is essentially how you can use neuroscience simply and effectively so all of you can walk away from you know our call today but how you can use it to improve your relationships your business your bank accounts etc so i love practical applications of things and today we're going to do some practical applications so let's move on I want to start talk about this interesting part of your brain, the pineal gland. And the pineal gland, strangely enough, is, is literally, it looks like a pine nut. It's about the size of a pine nut. You can go and Google it. I don't, didn't put a photo in the presentation, but it's a very, very interesting part of your brain because this is the part of your brain that works hard while you're asleep, providing dreams for you. It also is triggers your intuition and it also allows you the most direct access to the quantum field. 
And so we'll talk about that uh, a little bit in a second. Um, so the seat of the soul, Linda says. Yeah, very true, Linda. So it's fascinating here because if you want to stimulate your pineal gland, then eat pine nuts. If you want to know how to eat pine nuts, have a pasta with pesto on it and you're eating pine nuts. Pine nuts are the single biggest thing that stimulate the, um, the workings, if you like, of the pineal gland. And you may think, oh, this is, you know, very tricky spiritual stuff or whatever. If you've been to the Vatican and uh, you, go, you go through some of the original displays there, which is, you know, the bath of Nero and the, the hall of the tapestries and things like that, you come to a courtyard. And in that courtyard, and any of you who've been there, you may know this or you can Google it, you'll find, you'll see the picture there. Um, I probably should have got one of my photos and showed you this, but but you will see the most incredible, massive statue surrounded by this amazing medieval fresco. And the statue is of a pine cone. And its significance is to celebrate the pineal gland because the pineal gland is often related to the pine cone. So your pineal gland is your ability to access your dreams, your intuition, and the quantum field. So let me explain that for you a little bit and why you would want to. The Ashwa Indians, which are the Indians of Ecuador, many, many years ago um, when I met with them, when I was lucky enough to meet with them um, and was talking to a couple of the elders, they told me that in the villages still today, when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is they come together as a family around the fire um, and they, you know, have their morning drink. And the first thing before anything else is every member of the family shares their dreams uh, that they had the night before. And they use those dreams for guidance. And that's how they're guided through their life is through those dreams. So a lot of people underestimate their dreams. A lot of people say that they can't dream, but your, your dreams are some of your greatest guidance systems in life. They're literally neuroscience in action. So Lundy and I, every morning before we, you know, jump out of bed, we always say, what did you dream last night? You know, what do you understand that to be? Um, if we don't understand it, you know, I have the most random, obscure dreams. Uh, she's constantly laughing about my dreams. So, but it, it's the ability of maybe your partner to interpret that for you or give you a spin on it that just helps you understand them better. And I was talking to, um, to, and this is how important this stuff is. I was talking to one of my friends uh, in Australia on Sunday morning. And, you know, he's one of my oldest friends. I mean, uh, I grew up with him. We we're best friends the whole way through school. And he said, he said, COVID was a funny two years for him because, you know, he invested heavily in a manufacturing plant for what he does. Um, he hired new staff before it and he thought, jeepers, how am I going to pay for all of this, et cetera. And he said, you know, three or four months in, he was quite worried. And then he said he woke up in the middle of the night and he said to me, he said, he often gets the answers to business questions in his dreams. And he woke up in the middle of the night and his dream told him, you need to be in America. So at, the, at that stage, he was uh, working with a couple of American distributors for his product. So he was contacting them. They were, of course, in lockdown. He was 
trying to encourage them to get out and do some things for him because they represent a few different products in his field, which is the medical field. And um, cut a long story short, two weeks later than that, he scored the American Navy contract for his product, which is the biggest sale he ever made. It's a recurring contract annually and doubled his already incredible revenue um, in the first year of COVID and again last year. So that came through a dream. So dreams are very important. So stimulating your pineal gland will also stimulate uh, the way in which you dream as well. And, you know, maybe the messages from your dream is also. Uh, thanks, Kirsten, for the picture there. I haven't downloaded it. Um, Haritaki de, uh, decalcifies the pineal gland, can get us at spice shops. Thank you, Cass. That's a really, really good idea. Thanks. That's really practical because we do need to decalcify. Just like you have to decalcify your glasses or your kettle or something like that, we have to decalcify these things as well. Uh, Dave says, I've had the most interesting dream I've had in years last night, have been telling good friends about it all day. There you go. Take notice. And you're not on this call, Dave, um, for any other reason than to reinforce this dream is very profound for you. So intuition, obviously, we all know what intuition is. It's gut feel. The reason why it's called gut feel is because the electrical circuits inside of our body sit behind our dontian, come together just behind our gut. And so that's why we get, you know, butterflies when we're asking somebody out for the first time or going on stage or something like that. Well, Paul and I don't get butterflies going on stage, but other people do. And then there's, no, that's right, Paul. And then there's the, the quantum field as well. So quantum, for those of you that, uh, um, you know, have not heard us talk about this before, is really the seventh sense. So sight, sound, touch, taste, smell are the five senses. Intuition is the sixth sense. And quantum is the seventh sense. Intuition is triggered through um, an, uh, a gut feel. Quantum is triggered through a knowing. There's no gut feel in this. And you've all experienced it. It's when you've gone... I just have to go and do this now, or I just need to close down that biggest client's account. Or for me, I know that I now need to ask Lundy Jack out, right? It's, that was a quantum thing. It wasn't gut feel because my gut was saying to me, you're going to end up on your ass boy, right? So, you know, um, that's, that's quantum is a just a knowing. So your pineal gland sort of activates all of this. If I'm, uh, Mary says here, if unable to share dreams, do a dream journal. A dream journal is fantastic. Thanks for that, Mary. Um, I haven't done a dream journal for a while. And the last time I did it, I got up to remembering 11 dreams a night. So it was, uh, it was a profound experience. I did it for a couple of months and I started remembering, you know, two or three dreams because I can always remember one or two, but I got up to remembering on average 11 dreams a night. So and there's some really great wisdom in this as well. Let's move on. So your pineal gland. My conspiracy theory here says that our phones are designed to keep us trapped. That's my conspiracy theory side. My non-conspiracy theory side says, you know, ever since we saw Star Trek in the 1960s, and they had these things that they could do anything on, it sparked an idea in somebody that 
human beings should have this communication device we can do everything on. But operating on your phone and not stimulating your pineal gland is living a life just like this girl is living here where her whole world is just three inches from her face the whole time. That's her whole interaction. That's why Lundy and I say, you know, get out from behind your laptops. You know, stop doing Zoom meetings. I mean, I'd love to be able to do these live every week with everybody from around the world. It'd be fantastic. We'd have so much fun. So, you know, there's practicalities as well. But when you're working with your pineal gland and when you're stimulating it, your creativity, just imagine, I want you to imagine for a second that you pick up your phone. You can even do it. You pick up your phone, put it like three inches from your face. Well, mine's probably five inches because I'm a little older now five inches from your face where you can see it and basically think, okay, there is my interaction with the world. This is what I'm seeing. This is how I interact. Take it from that to this type of environment. You know, go and watch the new Top Gun Maverick movie on your phone or watch it in a cinema. Which one is a better experience for you? Well, no brainer there. The answer is the cinema. And the reason why is because what happens is once we've got larger vision, we create, create this ability to have true peripheral vision. We pick up so much more and it basically it pops our pineal gland awake. So that's why when we tell you to do, um, you know, to-do lists, well, 4Gs, not to-do lists, or when, or when you write a book or something, when you're mapping something out, when you're doing a business plan, we actually suggest you get some uh, whiteboard markers and go to a window with a view and create your masterpiece of creation on the window with a view. You know, very hard to be incredibly creative if you've got your desk poked up against a white wall in the back room of your office. You know, everybody needs a view in order to be... Um, in order to get their pineal gland working. So the more that you add aspect to something that you're doing, which is why travel is such a great um, master, because when you're traveling, you're constantly having new things pop into your peripheral vision, which is giving you ideas and making you creative. And the last you know, few years of lockdowns and being more at home and people wanting to work from home and things like this, it is absolutely stifling our creativity. So how do we move forward? Step one, you're not going to like this, diet, right? So if you want to have a better relationship with creativity, this is your first point. You know, look at my comment down there, expecting a spiritual download, it's not going to happen. You know, I was talking with my good friend, Don Tolman, who's one of the world's uh, leading people in whole foods and natural healing. And, and Don says this, he says, people who do ayahuasca don't really get much value from it. And the reason why is because they haven't done the work, most of them, to prepare for the gift of ayahuasca or the gift of magic mushrooms, et cetera. They've basically been in their hotel room, had their KFC, drunk 10 Diet Cokes, gone with their shaman to the meditation place, sat down, had ayahuasca and tried to have an experience. You can't do this while our, the chemistry of our body is not right. Um, and Mary, yeah, you're quite right there where you say get off sugar. It's amazing over, while the, over the whole body. It absolutely is. And, you know, I eat sugar too, but 
I told you I got off the sugar probably five years ago now. Um, and I lost 15 kgs and I feel healthier than I've ever felt before. And I'm five years older. Um, I do eat sugar from time to time, but very, very rarely. So diet is your number one thing if you want to be more creative, if you want your brain to work better. Stop clogging it up with stuff. Number two is environment. Sorry, this is not a stock photo high res. This is a low res photo. I couldn't find a stock photo high res that illustrated the environment that some of you will find yourself in. And, you know, this is not a creative environment. Yet some of us choose to live like this. Our houses look like this. Our cars look like this. I remember I had this guy working for me many years ago in corporate and he parked next to me in the car park one day and his inside of his car literally looked like this. And I really, I actually gave him money to go and get his car detailed so it was and get rid of all the crap out of his car. Nobody can live like this. It's people say, but I know where everything is. BS. I guarantee that, um, you know, you can't find everything. And number two is I used to do this back in the days where I had live coaching meetings with people, which was a long time ago now, prior 2007. But um, when people, when I go to people's offices and like this, I just get a bin and start throwing things in. And nobody could tell me what I was throwing in because they don't know what's on their desk. This type of thing is stifling your brain and your creativity. If you're spending your life in busyness and your glass is always almost full, there is no space for you to be creative. There is no space for your brain to access the space that it needs in order to become creative. So you have to give yourself space. Guess what? You know, travel is good. If you're not traveling at the moment, do some day trips locally. Get out a bit. You know, take your diary or your journal and go to your favorite cafe. Have a coffee and, you know, write your notes there. Don't try and write them at your kitchen table and have a coffee there. Spend the $4 and have a coffee locally and get out and see some things. If it's by the ocean and you like the ocean, great. It's by the mountains and you like the mountains, great. You need space. You know, Lundy and I are taking a week off in about a week's time. Um, I think from the end of next week. You know, this year, I think we've got at least, we've got one of those planned every quarter, plus the holidays we're taking at the end of the year. By the time the year's over and done, we'll have had about eight weeks holiday. But the thing is, we're getting regular space, space to think, space to create, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure that you do that. Um, Kirsten says, sugar puts you into a slump. If your space is clean, you automatically feel better. Oh, clutter puts you in a slump. If your space is clean, you automatically feel better. So Philippe says, what's the best diet, by the way? Now, this is great because Elmo's put up there, and you should check this out, Philippe. This is, uh, this is Sean and Marius, their circle of excellence clients. Sean is really, really good. Elmo will testify to that. He's a client of Sean's. There's their website, 16hours.com, hyphen hours. Um, Linda agrees. Oh, that's very, very good as well. Keto and fasting. More importantly, what I've found working with health specialists the world over is that every single one of our bodies is different. And 
You know, every single one of us needs something different. And I would say to you, regardless of what any health specialist tells you, medically qualified, holistically qualified, whatever, you know your own body best. So if you're realistic, you know what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. You know, if you feel like going and eating a bunch of cherries today, then I would go and buy a whole box of cherries and eat them because you've probably got gout coming on and cherries will, will get rid of gout. If you feel like eating a hamburger because you haven't eaten one in six weeks, eat a hamburger. But if you're feeling like eating a hamburger every day, you've got a problem, okay? Mary says, low-carb, sugar-free fasting. I call it keto-esque. Very nice. Bacon, JPEG. You know, bacon, very interestingly, for some of the keto people are really, really, they're, they're fascinated by bacon. And, uh, you know, everything in mediocre amounts, I think, is, is, is the right answer from the non-clinically trained health guru who's talking to you at the moment. All I know is that, you know, I've got to the age that I've got to, I'm still really healthy. I'm still much more healthy than most people 20 years younger than me. And I do things in moderation. I, I, one thing I don't do and I haven't done in 20 years is I do not eat processed food. It is very, very rare that you will ever see me with processed food unless I'm really stuck and really super hungry. So what's processed food? A can of this, a bag of that, or something, you know, anything like that. Okay, Natasha, welcome to the call, Natasha. Uh, I wonder if you're back in the US now. I like the Afro, uh, Afro bio mineral balance lifestyle, mucus less eating, fasting, cleansing. Absolutely, and there's a lot to be said for, um, there's a lot to be said for pickled things as well, which, you know, you live in America. That's like the, the home of pickles. More Americans love pickles than anywhere else in the world. And I think given their, the overall diet in America is not so good, pickles have saved a lot of people's um, thing. Francis Bacon Studio. Well, we've got to love Francis Bacon. And a lot of people believe he was Shakespeare. So let's move on. That's a story for another day that I'll tell you. So... What Pythagoras said is that, and Pythagoras, as some of you think, is a mathematician, but Pythagoras is much more a philosopher. Philosopher first, musician second, mathematician third. But what Pythagoras said at the Pythagorean Academy, which um, existed on uh, Crotona, not in Greece where he came from, but at the bottom of Italy in Calabria, but um, Pythagoras said, basically, you can come and be part of the Pythagorean Academy. If you want to study maths, you become part of the Mathematicoi. And the Mathematicoi is a day school. You come in every day. But if you want to study music, that's a full-time job. So you, have to, you become part of the Acoustica, and then you come in and you're boarding there. But before you're allowed into the Acoustica, you have to walk the Rainbow Bridge. And this is a fantastic diet, which again, with medical advice, check with your doctor, don't take it from Mike, but is something that if you definitely wanna access higher states of creativity, and if you wanna control your own awareness, your own presence, and the way in which you actually operate in the world, then this will be a really good sort of start for you to walk the rainbow bridge. Um, and that is seven days on red food. So we're going to walk from the outside in. 
seven days on orange food. So what's red food? Strawberries. I've got some strawberries in the fridge at the moment. Tomatoes, red peppers, etc. Orange food. Oranges. Um, you know, orange berries. That could be uh, orange uh, sweet potatoes. Seven days on yellow food. Lemons. Um, that's a, a good yellow food that I can think of at the top. A potato would be considered a yellow food. Um, seven days on green food. Seven days on blue food. Seven days on indigo food, mushrooms and that sort of thing. And then seven days on violet food. That's not violent food, food that's going to kill you, violet food. So once you've walked the rainbow bridge, then you are allowed to actually come in and be a day, not a day schooler, uh, a boarder at uh, Pythag Pythagorean Academy and become part of the Acoustica. But where some people use this today is as a cleansing diet. It's a pretty um, big diet because it takes 49 days. You could do the mini version and do three days on each food, and that would probably take 21 days. And then that would be a, a really, really good expression for yourself of, of cleansing and clearing. So let's move on. Step one, diet. Okay. Well, that goes back to this, controlling awareness, et cetera. So if you want to control your awareness, guess what? Same things happen. Step one is your diet. So diet, if you want to improve your awareness, if you want to improve your focus, you've got to do this as well. So I see Sean's just joined the call. He'll be hallelujah. You know, uh, Elmo's already promoted you, Sean. So your website is already up there for people who want to come and get more focus and improve their mental prowess and that. Diet is one perspective of it. Second perspective is breath. And breath is stillness. Now, I picked this photo for a particular reason because when you do breathing exercises, when you press your thumb and this finger together, which is your, I'll just do it there so you can see it, okay? Rock and roll, buddy. So when you push your thumb and that finger together, what you do is you open up the electronics in your lung meridians, which essentially allows you to take in more oxygen during breath. And most of us do not breathe. That's why we can't think. And you know, you'll see somebody who goes into a panic attack starts to hyperventilate as well. Their breath comes like short pants, like you know, a dog that's been running. And so we need to become more still and we need to breathe more. Just taking three minutes twice a day, just sitting there focusing on your breathing in this sort of pose. You don't have to do the cross leg pose. You can sit up, you can lie down, do it anyway, is going to massively improve your ability to focus, your ability to be creative and all of your abilities to become aware and have more presence. So remembering to breathe. And good friend of mine who, you know, Brenda, and I think Philip knows as well, Glenn Levy, uh, wrote a book called Standing in Stillness, was actually, which is actually about how to lose weight and get fit by staying still. And all of them are just literally stillness exercises in that book, which is not easy to do. I have to tell you, I, you know, I shared the stage with Glenn. He's one of my best friends for many, many years. And I used to do the exercises on stage when he taught them. I, I became very good at it. But boy, was I sweating just being still. Fantastic stuff. The third way of being more aware, getting more focus, is having the awareness 
of the signs and symbols of the universe, letting God, the universe, the creator, Allah, whatever you believe in doesn't matter as your higher power, um, but allowing that to speak to you in certain ways. So whether your you know, totem animal is the Arctic fox, and they are such cute animals. Uh, you know, We saw them in Quebec a couple of years ago when we were in Quebec for Christmas, just fantastic creatures. But or whether it's road signs, whether it's something that pops up on television, television ad, a magazine you walk past, an old photo, a dream that you have, having this awareness of the signs and symbols around you, you know, it amazes me that people sit there at the end of their beds at night and pray to God for things. And then they walk past 10,000 symbols where God's going, there it is, there it is, there it is. And they just don't see it. And I think that was, that was illustrated to me very clearly on one of the first big events I ran in South Africa back in 2010, I think it was, um, where I was actually talking about presence in the room and awareness and having this awareness of yourself at all times. And at that stage, as I was saying that, I literally said, if you don't have awareness uh, in business, your business will die. At that stage, an ambulance drove past the venue. And then I asked everybody what happened. And everybody talked about, well, you just said this. And I said, what else happened? They said, you were on this part of the stage. What else happened? Not one person there was present to the fact that the ambulance went past. I told them and everybody sort of nervously laughed. Oh, that's funny. And then so I went back into it and I reiterated, if you're not looking for the symbols, if you're not creating awareness, your business will die. Guess what happened? The ambulance drove back the other way, sirens blaring. This time, a few people actually noticed. I can't believe how unaware we are and we just walk through life totally unaware. So the question becomes, how do you become more present so that you can see the signs and symbols that are in front of you? The best action to that is to actually use breath. By slowing down your breath, by doing those breathing exercises a couple of times a day, by pulling off the road, by sitting in a traffic light, knowing that you've got you know 28 seconds to do at least two breaths for a breathing exercise, you will naturally become more present. And if you're naturally more present, you will see things and pick up things that you may not otherwise have picked up. And this can be in meetings. It can be signs around you. It can be an animal that crosses your path. It can be something very, very simple. By slowing down, by having the right environment around you, you'll pick this up. I see there's a few things in the chat. So let me just jump to the chat and see what everybody's saying here. Uh, Mary says, fermented foods build gut microbiome. Absolutely. That's why, you know, you don't see too many Koreans with gut problems because they're addicted to kimchi, which is fermented cabbage and really good for you. Natasha, thanks for your comment. Our computers can look like that office as well. Absolutely. You know, how many, uh, how many of our desktops just look like a pile of rubbish? I clean mine regularly because it goes like that. And already, you know, if I showed you my desktop now, it's probably a third like that office now. So it needs a clean. So thanks for that, Natasha. It might remind me to do it today. Steve, lovely to see you on the call. Mediterranean diet, or uh, one meat, one fish, five veg, lots of legumes and nuts, 
fermentation. Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully you would have learned some really good diet tips through your time in professional sports. Philippe says, music too. Songs that play on the radio can be signs or symbols. Can't tell you how many times that that speaks to us as well. And, you know, I remember when Landy's father died and, you know, I nicknamed him the Eagle because, uh, because he won that award um, when he was in corporate many years ago, which was the top award in the industry. Um, and uh, it, was the, it was the Eagle Award. So I just called him the Eagle. I used to call it that to him and to his face. But when he, when he passed and uh, we were in America for about three months the year after, and she was very, uh, got to a point where she was very upset about it, of course. That day we drove past and I was sort of giving a counsel, you know, everything's going to be all right, blah, blah, blah. We drove past a hotel on the right that said the Eagle Hotel and Bar. Then Hotel California by the Eagles came on the radio and we looked down at the radio and it was Eagle FM. Like, you know, if you don't want any more signs and symbols that somebody's, you know, not gone or, you know, they may be not in the physical form or there it is. So I love that, Philippe. Well done. Uh, Linda or LM, God speaks through everything every day. And that's, that's exactly the point. God does speak through everything every day. So, you know, those of you that may think that, you know, you're quite smart, and it will be nobody on this call, but maybe some of the listeners that listen to this after, and that you solving problems for your clients, you're not solving those problems for your clients. God is speaking through you to solve those problems for your clients. So I, I love that. Brenda, great exercise is to spend five minutes noticing and writing down what you notice for each of the five senses. Great way to get present. Thank you for that. It's an amazing bit of feedback there. Well done. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. I do want to leave some time at the end of this for questions, etc. So here's my questions for you, or question for you guys. You don't have to answer. Are the answers you're seeking in a coach, a cat, or a cocktail? So, you know, so many people are hiring people that are coaches because they think that they have the answers. So many people are going, well, you know, the answer's in my tarot cards or, you know, my cat talks to me or, or anything like that. And so many people hide in a bottle, right, and think that the answers are in the bottom of a bottle. And, you know, they're for all different reasons and there's no judgment here. That's just simply what we do. The answer is the answers aren't in any of those things. The answers are within you. The picture on the left is... Uh, a sliver from inside your cerebellum in your brain. The picture on the right is a nebula in the universe. We are just a microcosm of the macrocosm. The more science studies the universe, the more they realize that the universe is within us. And as if the universe is within us, and I have no personal doubt that it is, then the answers to every question are within us. You know, some people talk of the Akashic Record, and I'm a great fan of the Akashic Record. The, the Akashic Record, for those of you that don't understand it, is the knowledge of everything there ever was, everything there ever there is, and everything there ever will be. And all we have to do is find our way to connect to that Akashic record. In fact, in the, in the neurosciences, 
they're now discovering that the Akashic record may actually sit within the atmosphere of the planet. I don't necessarily believe that, but they're trying to prove that at the moment, which is quite fascinating. So if the answers are within you, then all you need is to understand the questions. You don't need to understand the answers. You just need to find the questions. And uh, Moira, thank you so much for your comment there. Um, know yourself and you'll know the universe. Absolutely. The same elements that compose the universe compose us as well. Yes, Natasha. When I finally divorced my abusive husband, my counselor said to me, you have all the answers. In my newly freed brain, I thought, what am I praying, paying you for? Years later, I got it. Absolutely, that's funny. Absolutely. Um, but so many people don't do it. And, you know, it was probably in the first couple of years in our relationship, because we we're very public and everybody go, oh, Mike and Lundy have such a great relationship, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> and people would say to me, Mike, how did you attract a girl such as Lundy? They never liked the answer because the answer was that I had to actually finally accept and fall in love with myself and not be demeaning to myself in order to attract somebody who had that level of perfection into my life. And that same goes for all of you with your partners as well. You know, whether you got them when you were 16, like you, Paul, or whether you got them when you were 60, then, you know, you, at that point in your life, you had to be at one in order to attract that energy in that person that's the love of your life. So the answers are within us. We are a microcosm of the macrocosm. So just here's another one that they're doing. Here's the slice of the mouse's brain on the left, which is the microcosm. And here's the snapshot of the present universe with the cluster of galaxies, et cetera, on the right. That's the macrocosm. And we live it in our day every single day. So the answers for all of us are within us. They're not in our brain. Our brain is just a circuitry system, an electrical system that allows us to access things. So how do we go about creating environments in which to thrive? Because we do need environments in which to thrive. So firstly, there are four basic environments. And each one of you will be attracted to one of these environments more than the other. So I don't have a slide for this. So I'm just going to tell you this. One of the environments is mountains, which is the picture you see in front of you. Some of you just cannot exist. You don't feel like you're at peace with yourself unless you have a mountain around you. For others, it is deserts. You just love those wide open spaces where there's nothing and one with the sky, the desert sky. For others of you, it's oceans. You look out over the ocean, the, it, the constant movement and the, the turmoil of the ocean and what could be beneath it just drags you in. And for others of you, it's forests, the living, breathing, growing ecosystem of the forest. Mountains, deserts, oceans, and forests. That's where you feel at home. Some of you will feel at home in all of them. That would be very rare. Some of you have a favorite one or two. Lundy and I are lucky we share the same favorite two. Ocean is our number one and we live on the ocean. Desert is our number two. We like to spend time in deserts. You know, we're surrounded by mountains where we live. We've got really 
to love mountains. Before that, neither of us could really care about mountains. So, and neither of us are very attracted to forests at all. So if we're going to plan, if we want to be creative, we need to go find space at the ocean. And it's interesting, ocean creates creativity. But if you go, um, we once went, and some of you that live in Cape Town will know this, there's a restaurant uh, around from Cork Bay that sits on the ocean, the waves splash up against the windows if it's a, a rough day. We went there to uh, work on a, a project once and you know there's so much turmoil with the ocean, we couldn't think. So we went to another restaurant back where we could look at the ocean, but we didn't have to be, feel part of it. And we got answers to what we wanted straight away. So here's some basic things about environments that we put ourselves in. One, environment number one is you have to have a good night's sleep. So if you're not having a good night's sleep, get some advice, do some things, buy the right bed. If you need the right bed, see Joni Petty. She's a Circle of Excellence member. She can organize some of the best beds in the world. She's an ambassador for them as part of what she does. Get a good restful sleep. By the way, if you want to stimulate your dreams, here's how neuroscience can stimulate your dreams. Go and get some posters printed of mandalas. Tibetan mandalas are perfect. A1 posters. Print at least a dozen of them. Yeah, it'll cost you a few bucks. Put them under your mattress. It's phenomenal what happens, particularly when people have never done anything like this before. Because what the mandalas does is they have sacred geometry. Sacred geometry is one of the most profound things that triggers different activities in our, in our body, particularly in our pineal um, glands, which is then going to trigger dream states. It will also help you get a good restful sleep. Moving on, non-toxic relationships. If you're in one, get out. If you're surrounded by them, don't pay them any attention, move away. If you're caught up in one of those friends things or divorce of couples, don't buy into it. We had a situation very recently where one of Lundy's very, very good friends is going through some issues with her partner. And she was pouring her heart out to Lundy by WhatsApp at like seven or eight o'clock at night. Lundy said to her, don't bring me into your relationship. I'm not interested. Harsh, but otherwise you take on that energy. You know, let somebody else sort out stuff in toxic relationships. If you've got toxic client relationships, fire them immediately. Get your power back. Doesn't matter if you're going to lose money. You'll make money again, but you'll have your freedom back. So Non-toxic relationships is one of the worst things that close our environment down. Don't allow our brain, our creativity our awareness to open, our presence to be open. Number three, make sure that you spend time on your passions. You know, music's probably one of my biggest passions. I spend a lot of time on my passions. Last night I was cleaning one of my guitars, actually my most expensive guitar because it just arrived from New Zealand yesterday. I was checking it for dints and dings and things like that. You know, it's not... 53 years old like the one I'm playing here but it is 20 something years old but uh, the older they are the more expensive they are as well and the investing guitars folks there's my uh, financial advice but only Gibson Les Pauls from the early 60s and earlier that's my financial advice for today but uh, follow your passions you know 
Paul, who's on the call, recently walked the Camino. You know, I really honor the fact, Paul, that you weren't online every day and posting like your fellow Walker did and everything like that. That was his journey. His journey was external, how he was with the world. Your journey was internal, how Paul was with Paul. You know, I really honor that. And I, you know, I think probably now three months later or how many months later it is, you must feel just so grounded together, all conquering, confident, etc., because you've spent time with your passions and you've honored it. So I honor you for that. You know, fantastic thing. I wish more people would do it. And then your well-being. You know, get your regular checkups, but don't get them when you're sick. Get them when you're well. You know, our doctor will tell you in 40 years of medicals, we're the only clients he's ever made as friends because we don't come when we're sick. We actually come to stop us being sick. So spend time on your well-being, your diets, your exercise, go, you know, your gyms, whatever, whatever it is, your, your mind space, watching movies that make you laugh, reading good books, chilling out with friends and having good times and, you know, having the occasional couple of wines too, too much because you're having a good time. That's well-being. That's what life's about. Nobody's meant to be an island here. When you do that, you will actually really affect um, your well-being and your ability to, to have awareness, et cetera. Lastly, explore. You know, we ran a company called Soul Journeys for a number of years. Some of you have been on our Soul Journeys. Um, you know, we came up with a saying that the reason people love to travel is because they love who they are, who they are when they're traveling. And, you know, I just used to watch people change and become the best version of themselves when they're somewhere like this exploring. So take time to explore, take time to travel, take time to learn new things. That's what's going to serve you. That's what's going to keep you creative. And I think we'll go to the chat, but then we'll jump into understand the influences because there's a lot of things in the chat here. So let me just go back. Um, I'm a rock star. Thanks, Moira. Self-love is something I am having to relearn all over again. And actually, Paula, I think you're doing a really good job of it. I have to say, you know, I follow you on Facebook and you're a very different person than the person that I met a year ago. I think you're doing really well. Mary, when I found my current partner, I had moved to Nashville singing and building a music career being me. And we met. BU is the best. Absolutely. Yeah, it is lovely. Measuring my sleep was one of the best things I did in the last few years using a ring. Okay, that's great. And it's so great you guys are just putting in here things that are, are working for you. Auraring.com, I would say. O-U-R-A ring.com. Sean, four pillars of wellness. Aha, here comes a 16 hours man. Wholesome nutrition, good quality sleep, daily mindfulness, physical exercise. Summed it up. Philippe, aka the frog, says, You've got your guitars back now. Yes, I haven't seen most of them. It's like 14 still down in the storage unit under our apartment that I haven't opened. Uh, I did love following your trip via your walking buddy, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all did, Dave. I mean, it was, we all walk the Camino with you. And it's so good because I saved myself like 800 kilometers or however far it was. It was great. Uh, I haven't read his story. I was there. And like Mike says, I did it my way. Absolutely, you did. I love swimming in the ocean. Hi, Janice. Lovely to see you on the call. Early morning. Sometimes the moon and the planet are still showing. 
This is great. I mean, we have an Irish business partner in one of our companies. Now, in Ireland, as you know, Mary, on uh, either Christmas Day or Boxing Day, all of the Irish go down to the ocean and swim. I couldn't think of anything I'd like the least to do than to swim in the Irish Sea on Boxing Day. I mean, but uh, he goes swimming in his pool every morning of the year. He, and it's not a heated pool. It's the middle of winter. Uh, and he still swims every morning. I asked him that last week when I saw him. So, uh, and he says he just loves it. So fantastic comments. So back to understanding what influences us, just to wrap up our call today. You know, are you watching the news? Are you listening to all this crap that's coming out? Are you reading newspapers? I mean, I can't tell you the last time I read a newspaper online or offline, what are you allowing into your space? What music are you listening to? You know, if I go to the gym and I've got headphones on, I still listen to Metallica because it actually helps me do my gym exercise, right? So it pushes me that extra little bit, but I'm not going to listen to Metallica to do my meditation work with. That's just not going to happen. You So you got to understand the influences of what's around you. And you've also got to understand harmful patterns that you've got. In this case, this was just such a great slide that, you know, you see people and they're actually like this with alcohol, right? Or they're like this with cigarettes, or they're like this with food, or they're like this with something else. In fact, they're like this with exercise, and that can be harmful. Well, I always say, I've said this for 100 years, probably in a past life as well, any strength taken to an extreme becomes a weakness. So if you're at the gym seven days a week pushing multiple kilograms, then that's going to become your weakness. That becomes your Achilles heel. If I sat here and played my guitar all day, then that's going to become my weakness as well. So you have to disrupt these harmful patterns. You have to understand the influences that are around you. Sound, sight, touch, taste, smell great influences that are around you. Some people live under power lines, you know, those big electric lines. That's not a great place to, to, to learn to be creative at all. Some people live um, in areas that are unclean, but, oh, you know, or our house is unclean. Yeah, but we've lived here for 30 years. You don't understand. Clean it up. You know, understand the influences around you. Some of you are listening to talkback radio as you're driving to pitch your biggest client of the year. Well, you're not going to get that client, right? So understand those influences. That's a lot to share in one day. And we've covered the areas of neuroscience there. Let me just go to the chat and, uh, and see what you've come up with. Hydration as well. Thank you, Natasha. Be vigilant of your impressions, Moira says. What you allow to impress itself upon you and your expressions. We're an organism, information in and out. Absolutely. Cass says, I love playing with my doggies. They've taught me unconditional love. Nothing is better than the love of an animal. That's so true. And, you know, for some reasons, um, many of us can't have animals. Maybe we don't live conducive. Maybe we travel too much. But spend time. Go to a petting zoo and, you know, pet some animals. These are great comments, everyone. I couldn't agree more. Philippe says, uh, they were playing Barry White at the gym the other day. That's fantastic. Sean says, balance in everything. It's a personal journey. Which song, Philippe? Uh, lovely reminder, Mike. Got to go. Thank you, Chantel. 
So there's a lot of things here just to finish off in the last couple of uh, uh, minutes here that have really hopefully stoked you with practical neuroscience techniques to get you to feel more creative, to get you to feel more balanced, to, to see you as more aware of what's going on around you. And I really hope that you can embrace some of these practical things. And, you know, it's not rocket science. Neuroscience is not rocket science. The, you can make neuroscience incredibly deep and boring, or you can make it incredibly practical. Can't remember which song, by the way, Philippe says, uh, but it, he thought it was funny. At least they weren't playing the village people, Philippe. Folks, lovely to see you on the call today. We have another fantastic guest speaker next week. Remember, we do record these calls as well. And, uh, you know, they go up for, on their Circle of Excellence site. I wish every single one of you a fantastic week. I look forward to talking with you later today, Cass and others of you, also Sean later today as well. I wish you all the best. Catch you around. Bye-bye.